So anyway, welcome guys. Thank you all for coming on another Saturday morning. Uh, thanks to the new guys. I see quite a few new guys here, so I appreciate you guys coming. Um, I'm going to kick off every single one of these meetings with a dad joke. So I feel it's, it's the right way to start this. So uh, do you guys, you ever notice that birds, when they fly overhead, they fly in a V, right? Right? Uh, if you ever notice, the vast majority of the time, one side of the V is longer than the other. Do you know why that is? Ben? Why Ben? There's more birds in that side. Um, that's why that is. My kids know that every time they see birds flying over, I'm like, hey, kids, y'all see that V? And they're like, you can already hear the groans starting. Uh, um, I, I just love that. I, I, that joke is way funnier to me than it should be. Um, so anyway, so uh, today we are blessed to have Dave Batten with us. He was uh, here last week with us as a table guy, and now he's going to be talking to us about prayer. I'm really excited about this. Uh, this is one of the topics I had a couple of guys when I was asking, kind of around, like, hey, uh, what should we talk about? What do you want? What do you want to hear about? Prayer was a big one. It, the timing worked out really well. It was kind of fortuitous. Uh, we were going to have a different talk today, but that guy couldn't make it. And now he could, but he'd already bailed at this point in time. Uh, and so David and I had talked about doing this topic in March, but it works out well for it to be coming off the the prayer and fasting uh, kind of momentum that we've been working with. So. Uh, I've gotten to know Dave over the last couple of years. Uh, we play a lot of nerdy board games together. Not as much lately. I feel like we're getting busier. Um, but I admire the way he leads his family, and he is intentional about interacting with them. And I've been inspired. I asked him to talk about this topic because I've heard him talk about his prayer life and really practical things that he does to uh, ensure that's a, a valuable part of his walk as he leads his family. So without further ado, welcome Dave Batten, and uh, let's hope we learn some things. All right. Ooh. It's always loud to hear yourself speaking in the microphones. Um, good morning, fellow fathers. Um, thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak here. Nick, I feel like I have to live up to the prayer and fasting week now, so no pressure on that. Um, three weeks. Um, just as a qualifier before I get going, I, I, I won't say this again, but just, just to recognize, I, I feel pretty aware looking around the room that um, that I am at best a middle-aged father if you just count the cumulative age of my children. Um, and there are probably people sitting in these chairs who could teach me about prayer and how to pray with their kids and speak more to the outcome of the, the input to their children than, than I can. So um, I hope you can see me, though, as someone who is um, struggling along with you to raise my children well. Um, I think that's one of the things I'm looking for as I step into fathering context or listen to, to podcasts about fathering is just to be encouraged that there are other guys who are trying to do this as well, who are working to figure it out, who make mistakes, who are able to laugh about that, to ask forgiveness for that. Um, and, and so I hope you can just see me as that, as someone who is, um, is walking alongside you, trying to figure this out with, with just some thoughts that I have from, from what I've been working to do with my kids that maybe can encourage you, can spur some thoughts on. And then at your table discussions, you can get all the experience and the other thoughts that I didn't have, hopefully. So, um, all right, well, disclaimer over. Um, 
moving on to the actual talk, just as I think about where I learned to pray, one of the stories that comes to mind is, is one time when I was out fishing with my dad. Um, and we grew up in Slidell, so we would launch in the Pearl River and go across Lake Bourne, about a 45-minute boat ride to get to the Biloxi Marsh. I'm looking around for the three of you who knows any of what that means. Um, and, and so we would go out fishing, and, and one time we, would come, we came back, and there just was this unusually dense fog that was coming in right at sundown as we were coming back across the lake. You, you can only see like one or two boat lengths in front of you. So we're just kind of creeping up to the edge of the lake where we think the mouth of the river that we need to go back into is. And we get to the edge and it's just land, just nothing. Um, and this was back before we had GPS. So my dad didn't even know which side of the river we had missed on. And there's some debris on the north side of the lake. So he, you know, if you go too far out, you can't see the edge of the, the lake. And if you go too far in, you risk hitting something. And so my dad just wasn't sure exactly what we were going to do. And I was probably about eight years old at this time and, or, or so. I think we all just make up ages when we tell stories like this. But, um, and, and so we're just trying to figure out what to do. We don't have a cell phone to call and tell my mom that we're not dead if we don't make it in. It's starting to get dark and cold. And so we were sort of at the climax of our story here, and, and that was like when my dad would tell these stories of, um, anytime we were out camping or whatever, he'd tell these stories about a boy and a girl, which was representing me and my sister, who would go out into the woods and they'd get lost or something would happen and um, they'd get worse and worse. And then all, at the climax of the story, they would always stop and pray. And then, of course, as soon as they prayed, something would happen. They'd hear a river they could follow all the way back or... Uh, they'd figure out how to turn a needle into a compass or something. I hope not to get lost in the woods because I don't remember any of these stories um, <laughs> other than the praying part. But, but we were at the climax of our story there, and so that's what we did. We stopped and we prayed. And sure enough, as soon as pretty much we opened our eyes, there was just this little wh- ripples on the water. And it's dead calm, so it's not waves. It was the wake of another boat. My dad starts to go and follow that, and this is what I remember. He's just looking up in the fog, and all of a sudden, there's just this bright light in the sky, which turned out to be the, the light on the top of a big shrimp boat that was sitting, waiting in the fog like we were. And so we drive over to it, and people were pretty friendly, so they wave us over. We get on board. They give my dad a cup of coffee. They give me a mug root beer that I remember really not liking, um, but having to drink anyway for these <laughs> nice people who had given it to me. And it turns out that they had equipment to know where they were in the fog, radar, sonar, or something. And we were actually sitting in the mouth of the river. They were just waiting for the turn bridge to open. And so we get back out into our boat, and the bridge opens, and we get to follow them in the river up to about where we know where we are, and we can make our way back home and back to the boat launch. And I tell you what, if you want to teach an 8-year-old boy how to pray, that's how you do it. Now, I don't recommend creating a crisis situation for you to pray and hope that you get out of. But, um, but having prayer be just the regular instinct of your life, that in the crisis moments, it feels normal and the right thing to do to pray, to give God an opportunity to teach your kids that not only is prayer important, but you're praying to a God who listens and who answers. That's part of the reason today that I believe prayer matters is because my dad thought to pray in that moment. Another story I heard is of Francis Chan, um, pastor, author, talking about his daughter, who is um, maybe early college in a, in a 
kind of serious relationship, and so he asks her, um, you know, what, what are you thinking about, about so-and-so? I don't remember his name, but I assume you're supposed to refer to your daughter's boyfriends as so-and-so. Um, so she said, what do you think about so-and-so? And, and this was her response. She said, I'm not sure yet, Dad. I'm, I'm waiting to see if God answers his prayers. And that's the answer you want your daughter to give, right? Like, but where did she learn that? Where did she learn that something that she should consider in a man she might marry is not only whether he prays, but whether God answers his prayers? Well, she learned that from her dad. She learned that because she watched her dad pray and not only knew that he prayed, not only knew what he prayed for, but knew that God answered his prayers. Why do I start with stories like that? Stories about fathers who prayed and children who watched. Well, because one thing I believe that that the only reason you're going to make prayer a part of your life, that you're going to walk out of here with any real hope to start new prayer practices or, or breathe life into your prayer time with your kids is if you are convinced that prayer is utterly important. Prayer never feels urgent. It just doesn't. Right? If you are not currently praying on your own or praying with your family, you probably feel fine. It, it probably doesn't feel like your house is burning down. That doesn't demand your attention that the way that, that behavioral issues with your kids can or the way you're communicating with your wife does or questions about screen time, how much is too much, how, why are my kids freaking out about this again. It just doesn't, it's, not, it's never urgent. And the only reason you're going to make a priority to pray and to pray with your family is if you are convinced it is utterly important. And the second reason is because I'm convinced that what matters even more than the practical things you do with your kids, the, the practical times you take to pray with them and the, the forms and the patterns that you use for that, even more than all that you do to teach them to pray is that your kids see you pray. That's what's going to teach them to pray. Because prayer is never going to feel urgent for them either, just like it doesn't for us. The only reason you can hope that your kids are going to pray is if they think prayer is important. And they're going to be convinced that prayer is important if they see you pray. If they say you make a priority to prayer. If they're convinced that this was important to dad. And I saw him pray. And I saw God answer his prayers. And that's why I make a priority to pray in my life. And so before I get to anything about teaching your kids to pray, I just want to spend a few minutes thinking through what does it take for us to be fathers that pray? How do we make sure prayer is a regular part of our lives so that we can be examples of prayer for our kids? This is something I've been working on really well for the last two years, that I've been trying to make an extra priority to pray. And I would just encourage that if you're going to make a priority to pray in your own life, to be a father that prays, you're going to need at least two things. First, you are going to need a time to pray. You're going to need to set aside a specific time that you are committed to pray regularly. And don't tell me this. Don't tell me that you're sort of that you pray all the time. Right? I know the verse. First Thessalonians five seventeen. Pray without ceasing. But but think about this for a minute. What does that mean? 
What does it mean to pray without ceasing? If you hear some people talk about it, it sounds like it's this sort of like background program that's running in their head. They're sort of praying subconsciously all the time or sort of aware of God. And I just don't know what they're talking about. My brain does not work that way. I'm either praying or I'm not praying. I've got a waffle brain. I'm not doing both things. I'm not doing anything else and praying. <laughs> I'm either praying or I'm not. And, and there, I understand there's a, we should be aware of God. We should be praying as things happen. But, but realistically, if you tell me that you pray all the time, sort of, I think what it means is you never really pray. And I think that's not what Paul means in that verse anyway. I think what Paul means is that to pray without ceasing is sort of the same thing as when your mom told you to always brush your teeth. Right? Your mom didn't mean walk around with a toothbrush in your mouth, sort of scrubbing, sort of, all the time. Right? She meant pray all the time, or sorry, she meant brush your teeth every day. Twice a day, if you're more committed to brushing your teeth than I am. Um, that you're supposed to brush your teeth regularly and consistently. And that's what it means to pray without ceasing, that we are praying daily, consistently, never giving up on prayer. John Piper, in his Ask Pastor John podcast, um, addressed this verse, and, and this is what he said. He said, praying without ceasing means praying repeatedly and often. Day after day after day, we show up and make it a priority to find a time where we are going to pray. And I understand this is hard. I know life is busy. It's difficult to find times to carve out in your life to pray. But if this is important, we will find a time to make this a priority to pray. So, so here's what I've been doing. That This is what's worked for me, just as a suggestion of something that you might consider. I've been going on prayer walks as soon as my kids go to bed. Right? I've got kids that are 6, 4, and 2. And so uh, we have a routine every night, and, and we go through you know, reading and brushing teeth and prayers at night. And then as soon as they're down, about 7.15, I go find my shoes, and I walk out the door, and I pray. Walk about two blocks at least. And that's been helpful for me for, for a couple reasons. One, because I'm almost always available at that time. The only reasons I'm not available is if we're out doing something in an evening. But most of the nights with small kids, we're home. So I'm almost always available at that time. And the only reason that I'm not going to pray is if I have decided not to. And I tell you what, that's one of the most helpful things to get me out the door is the question, am I a man who prays or not? Because if I'm a man who prays, I will go pray right now. And if I don't go pray, it means I'm saying tonight I'm not a man who prays. That gets me out the door more than anything else because I almost never want to. It's never what I feel like doing. I'm always glad I did it when I came back. Almost never want to do it when I walk out the door. And the other thing that, reason that that's helpful, even more than the, the dealing with the distraction of needing to be doing something, is, is that when I go on a prayer walk, it just takes a certain amount of time. It's just, it, it takes this long. I can get three minutes in and be totally distracted, not have gotten my head right at all, but I've still got like about seven more minutes of block that I have to make it around. So I'm going to spend that amount of time, whereas I find if I stay home, because it's extremely cold, for example, um, when I get distracted like that, it's just so easy to move on to something else. So being out in a place that forces me to take this amount of time has been a really helpful practice, and I just need that help. Um, but that, that's, that's a time I would recommend, especially if you have small kids. But whatever I would say is, is 
pick a time that works for you. If you're a morning person, I'm not really a morning person, pick a time in the morning when you can carve out a time, probably especially a space that you're going to be undisturbed for a certain amount of time that you are going to be able to pray. That you've set aside to know this is the time that you will pray. You could take a break at lunch, you could pray then, um, you could t- pick a time in the evenings, but um, the other thing I would say is don't aim at a lot of time. Right? My prayer walks take 10 to 20 minutes. 20 minutes if I go the extra couple blocks. I'm not aiming at going for a long time. Because realistically, I know that if I do, I'm probably going to give up on it more nights than not. And I think it matters more that I'm doing this consistently. That I'm walking out my door more days than not, four or five days out of the week and praying, than that I'm trying to aim at this big, long amount of time that I can brag about in a table discussion later today. John Calvin said that prayer should be brief and even more often. And I think that's what he was recognizing, that we're not people that can take a ton of time or can be committed to these big, momentous things, but it's, we need prayer regularly throughout our lives. So pick a time, something realistic that you can do every day to pray. That's the first thing you need. The second thing you're going to need is a plan for what to do when you get there. How many times has your prayer sounded something like this? Dear God, thank you for today. Uh, please help uh, the, the person that I was just talking to that needs this thing. Um, please be with that situation that I'm still stressed about, and really that's what I'm thinking about right now. And then your mind kind of goes blank for two minutes, and then, and then you, you're done praying. You give up. Right? That's, is that kind of how prayer times go? If you, if you just walk into it, especially in the evenings, out of a busy day, your mind's running on a thousand things, it's hard to focus on prayer. I think we would all say that's true, and you can um, beat yourself up about that, or you can make a plan for that. And so that's what I mean when you take a plan for prayer. Just come up with something that you know you're going to do, especially to start your prayer times. When I walk out the door and pray, the first thing I do every day is I pray through, I sort of riff on the Lord's prayer. So I'll start praying, remembering that who I'm talking to is my Father who wants me to be out here talking to him, who's not impatient with me, who's not upset that I'm distracted, who's glad that I've come out to talk to him again. And then I'll remember that what I want is his name to be made great in heaven and on earth, in all the places, all the situations that I'm stressed about, thinking about what I want is his kingdom to come and to be made great in those places. And sometimes that leads me off into prayer on its own. Then I'll pray that God would meet my daily needs, whatever I'm stressed about, whatever my family needs, that he would meet those needs and that he would remind me that he's promised to do that. I'll pray to confess sin. I'll ask him to show me where I have been anxious or impatient or unkind in my life and I need to repent of that and where I need to forgive others who've sinned against me. And that's such a helpful focusing tool to bring me into prayer. Usually after that, I'll just kind of go off and pray about whatever's on my heart. Pray for family or pray for how I'm feeling, for God to give me insight into that. Just whatever's on my mind. But that beginning plan takes me a couple minutes. is so helpful in focusing my mind, in reminding me what I'm doing, just to set structure. You don't have to use the Lord's Prayer. There's a lot of things that you can do. I actually took that idea from... um, Tim Keller's book on prayer where he quotes Martin Luther's suggestion for how to pray. That's Martin Luther's would start with the Lord's Prayer. He, Martin Luther also suggested using the verses that you're reading through to kind of help you expand the words that you're 
praying about. Expand the categories you're praying. Um, Donald Whitney has a book called Praying the Bible. That's If you don't know how to turn passages into prayers, uh, it's really helpful. It's very easy. It's very accessible. The book is very short. Um, and all he's really doing is saying you don't need to have an in-depth study and understand everything about this passage. Just take it and use the words in it to prompt you to pray about more things than you would think to pray about on your own. You don't have to get it right. You don't have to understand it right. Just take the words of the psalm or the story or the law that you're reading and use it to prompt you to pray more things. Something to help focus your mind and think about what you're doing. Um, I'd encourage you as, at our table, your table discussions after this just to ask people what's helpful, what are helpful practices for them to pray. Once you've got a time, you're going to need a plan to help your mind focus on what you're doing in that time. Um, and I'm sure there's lots of suggestions of how you could do that. Um, and last thing I would say is just don't choose a bunch of things. Just pick one or two practices, probably just one, that's going to help you, that you're going to be able, able to maintain, that's going to help you pray well. We're not trying to be perfect prayers. We're not trying to get this whole big production that we can say, I did all of these things. We're just recognizing that we are distracted people who need help. We need a plan. Um, so pick something that works for you that helps you pray well. Um, and, and one more encouragement on that, just to, just to think about what should you expect? If you're going to put in just a 15-minute, pretty simple prayer time in your life, what should you expect out of that? Most times when I go on a prayer walk, it, it's, a, it's helpful. I feel rested. I'm glad I did it. I feel like I've reconnected and refocused. But nothing major happens. Um, I don't hear anything. I don't come back with, like, great new thoughts most of the time. But there are some times now where I go out, and I'll just be praying about something, some situation in life or, or some anxiety that I'm feeling, and the whole thing just gets reframed in a way that, that I know did not come from me. Or I'll get a thought or something, this is what I need to focus on, that will shape the way I deal with my kids, or engage at work for the next coming weeks. There are times I go out, I think I hear something from God. I'm not only praying and reminding myself what is true, I am hearing something from my Father. I just want to encourage you that that is available to you. Not every day, not every week, it seems like not all the time, but, but if you will make a commitment, a priority to pray, I think you will hear from your Father. And that's what we want our kids to know, too. Right? Not just that prayer is important, not just that prayer is something that they can do, but prayer is where they can go engage the God of the universe who wants to speak to them. And we need that experience to tell our kids about. So I would encourage you to step into that so you can be an example of prayer, be an encouragement to your kids to pray. But we also need some practical steps to help our kids engage in prayer themselves. So how do we do that? What are, the, what are practical things we can do to help teach our kids how to pray or to pray with our kids? Um, well, I, I think you, your kids need the same two things to develop a prayer practice that you need. Right? If you're going to teach your kids to pray, you're going to need times to pray with them. And you're going to need a plan for what to do in those times. And if you can get those two things you will be teaching your kids to pray. It's not really much more complicated than that. Um, so what, 
What does that look like? I'll just tell you what we do at our house. We have three times in a regular day that we are praying together as a family. Um, we pray in the morning before we uh, go out. When I was going to work, we would pray before I left for work. Now we pray before my kids go to school. Um, we pray as we sit down to eat in the evenings. And I pray with my kids um, individually, sometimes together, before they go to bed in the evening. And that's just regular practices of prayer at our house. That's not rocket science. That's pretty simple. Um, But those are times we have available to say, this is something that is important to our family that we are going to make sure happens as often as we can make it happen. There's not a lot of times where we can make it happen. Those just happen to be the times where we are all together. It's a moment of transition, I think, is a good way to think about it, where we are, have time available to pray together as a family. And these aren't big, long times. I would say don't expect a whole lot out of these times. Just like I'd say don't expect to try to aim at something big and crazy for yourself. A lot of these times are very short. And they're often very distracted. Right? I said I have a two-year-old. And he loves to come and pray in the mornings. Right? He'll run over, pray, pray, and he'll, he'll grab your hands. And then he loves to bother you, whoever's next to him to swing your arms or to, you know, he'll start to, to kind of like kick at his older brother whose brother will kick back at him and then I'm kicking at both of them to make them stop. Um, or in the evenings, he's, he tries to pray along with us and say the words. He's trying to sound them out. But he's also learned that if he says them wrong, it makes the other two kids laugh, right? And so he'll be saying it and trying to get a laugh out of them. They'll start laughing and he'll start hamming it up more and then I'm giving the side eye to my kids over here like, stop, you're just encouraging him. That's what a lot of our prayer times feel like. And my reaction to that can be to try to shut down whatever's going on. Say, like, no, we're trying to pray. We're trying to do something here, guys. We're not just, can't you calm down for just a minute? Um, and, And there's something to trying to teach my kids what is appropriate and helpful to do during prayer. But but what am I trying to teach them really? Am I trying to teach them how to behave? to approach God? Or am I trying to teach them that the way we approach God is not based on how we have behaved, but based on what Christ has done for us? Am I teaching them something true about prayer if their main experience of it is me correcting them, of me insisting on their behavior, of my anger? I'm not. I want prayer to be something that they recognize our family thinks is not only important, but is awesome. We love to do this, and we want to invite you into this. There should be more about joy than anger in our prayer times. There should be more about wonder than sobriety, more of welcome than threat. And that's going to mean there's some distraction, some um, failure to follow rules. But I'm, I want them more to, than to know how to pray correctly, I want them to understand what prayer is. I want them to remember that they were welcomed in to come and talk to their father, that that's what I love to do. That's what we love to do. And yes, there are ways that are helpful. We don't want to be distracted. We want to remember what we're doing, but I want them to remember enjoying prayer, to remember feeling invited and welcomed into that. So we set those times for prayer, but then we need to know what to do during those prayer times. What are we aiming at in prayer? And, and this is probably something that um, 
that's going to vary more based on how old your kids are than anything else. Um, but let me just give you two things that I'm trying to aim at when I'm praying. And I'm kind of keep adjusting what we're doing, the specific practices to aim at these two things. One, I'm trying to give my kids words to pray. I'm trying to teach them a vocabulary of prayer and show them the categories of things that they can be praying about. Because they, if I just let them pray for whatever they want, they kind of pray about the same things over and over and over and over again. Right? They, they don't know all the things to pray for or how to pray or, or what could be included in this. So I'm trying to stretch that vocabulary. And at the same time, I'm trying to teach them that prayer is just a conversation with their father. It's not about the words that you say. You just get to come here and talk to your father about whatever is on your heart and listen to him speak to you about whatever he wants you to hear. And those can be competing goals. But if you think about it, that's really not that different than what I need to pray well. I use a structure of prayer to stretch what I'm praying about to help me just talk to my father about whatever's on my heart. So as I recognize that that's what I need to pray well, I see that that that's what I'm trying to teach my kids. It's the same things that I need. And and there's really no one-size-fits-all plan for that. Just depending on how old your kids are, what times you use, or what those look like, you're going to have different things. But but here's what we do. um, And I use those different prayer times differently to accomplish those two goals. So our morning prayer and our before-dinner prayer are recited prayers. They're just prayers that I came up with, that we say every day, my kids can say with us, that um, are just the same words over to help them remember what is this moment, why are we praying, and what should we be thinking about right now. Right, and I'm not sure if you have any hesitancy about using a recited prayer, but, but if, you, if you do, or you have any questions about that, let me just ask, do you really have a pattern of prayer anyway? Right, I thought about this with my dad. The way he would pray at dinner always went something like this. It was, Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight thanking you for fill in the blank on one or two kind of recent events that should be thanked for. Um, please be with fill in the blank of one or two people with big events or needs that are coming up. And then would always end, Now bless this food to our bodies and us to thy service. I still don't know what it means to bless us to thy service. I've thought about it. I haven't figured it out. Um, what is that? that? That's a liturgy. That's a, a pattern of prayer that we did every night. So much so that when my, me and my sisters would start to pray afterwards, it went in the same pattern. That's how we learned to pray. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it is a pattern of prayer. And so I think a recited prayer is just the same thing. It's just you thinking ahead of time. What should we pray in this moment? Because if you don't, you're probably going to pray the same few things anyway. You just haven't thought about it. So that's what we do when we pray. This is, this is our dinner prayer, just as an example. I think it's written down for you. Hopefully I can remember it all. Um, as we sit down together at the end of this day, we ask our Heavenly Father to quiet our noisy hearts, to forgive when we disobey, and to restore us tonight for the new day coming. Thank you for this food and this family. May they give us joy and strength and remind us that you are good. Everybody check me on that? Um, So there's nothing magic about those words. Um, Those are just things I came up with to say, what are we doing right here? Why are we praying, and what should we remember? I want to recognize that as we're sitting down, 
probably in our hearts are anxieties and anger and frustrations from the day that are still affecting the residually going on as, as we're sitting down trying to enjoy this time together. And we can talk to God about that. That we're going to come with sins that have guilt and shame. And we, we can talk to God about that too. We can confess that together as a family every night. And we're going to come tired in need of restoration. That's why we're eating food. That's why we're sitting down. We're heading towards rest. We need that every day. And that comes from our Father as well. And I want to thank God to recognize we sit down with good food with our family. We enjoy this time together. And then as a gift from God, we should remember to thank him for. It doesn't have to be anything magic or fancy. Um, I think anyone could write something like this for your family. Not worried about um, if it sounds great or if it's something you want to um, write down on a big thing on the wall, which we actually have now. Um, my wife got me for Christmas this prayer framed on a, on a wall. <laughs> so, um, and, and it's not something you can't ever change, even if it's framed on your wall. You can still change it. Um, it's just trying to recognize, what are we doing? Let's have a plan for how we should pray together. What should we pray? Is we're going to pray in the morning before we leave. What should we say here? What do we want for each day? And what I hope is that my kids are being shaped by those words, that their prayer vocabulary is being expanded And that those words mean more to them as they sit down on a day where they are angry or where they are frustrated and hear those words again, say those words out loud, that the thing going on in my heart is something I can come to my father and ask him about. That they remember for the rest of their lives that forgiveness is a daily thing we ask for. And that they learn to see the meatball sub on their plate as a little reminder that God is good. So this doesn't have to be anything fancy, but make a plan for what you're going to do in those moments. And then at the evening times, before they go to bed, we have more of a conversational kind of prayer. So this is where I'm asking my kids, what do you want to pray for? How do you use your own words to talk to God? And they're still pretty young, so they still need some help how to do that. They still, aren't, they still would just pray about the same thing over and over again in those categories. So I do a couple things to try to help them think more deeply about what do I want to talk to God about in this time. When they were younger, probably both three, four years old, I would just say, can you tell me one thing you want to thank God for and one thing you want to ask God for? And that's it. Even those tended to be sort of repeated. Sometimes they change. Often it was, please help mom to have a good night's sleep. Thank you for the treat we had at school today. I mean, they were not big deals. But it was just teaching them, think about what, ha- what in your day was good. You could thank God for that. Think about what is coming up. You could ask God for that. Now that they're a little older, we change what we're praying for by night of the week. So on Sundays, we pray for the week coming up. On Mondays, we ask God for something. On Tuesdays, we pray for a family member. On Wednesdays, I've got this Joshua Project book. Um, where they can pick a letter of the alphabet, and we spend a little more time reading through some uh, country and the missionary activity going on there, and then we pray for that country. Um, On Thursdays, we pray for a friend. On Fridays, we thank God for something, and on Saturdays, they can pray for whatever they want. Um, Those categories are just a range of me trying to say, like, can you think about more things that you'd want to pray for God for? These are prompts for them. That's one thing I do to help them learn how to have a conversation with God. And the other thing I do is I make sure I pray in those moments with them in the same category that they're praying for, often for the same thing that they prayed for. 
Um, we'll talk beforehand about what they want to pray for, and then I'll try to think, how can I kind of expand what you prayed so you have a model of this is what talking to God about that thing could look for, could look like. Or if you prayed for a friend, let me pray for my friends. And maybe something that's going on in their life more than going to school tomorrow, um, which is usually what that prayer is. I'm just trying to be an example of this is what it looks like to talk to God. Um, so those are the kind of the plans that we use for prayer. And I think those are going to change. I think they're gonna, we're going to change maybe the, this prayer we do at dinner or um, we're going to change the categories that we use to pray. But I'm just trying to think ahead about what do we want to do in each of those moments. And my hope is that, that through this sort of intentionality, we're becoming a family that prays. I know I've talked a lot about structured prayers and plans for prayer. I don't want to just think that, that obviously those are the only times that we're going to pray. But I want us to think of ourselves as a family that prays so that in the moment, when the fog rolls in on life, we would remember to pray in that moment. And if I had to confess, I'm not great at doing that. I don't remember a lot of times to pray in the moment, but I think I'm getting better because I have been intentional to pray on a regular basis. Because when I run into those moments, when, when something happens with a person who I've been praying for, or a situation that I've been praying about, that's an ongoing conversation. It's more natural for me to pray in that moment because I've already been talking to God about that. I know what I want to say. That conversation is ongoing, and so prayer becomes a little bit more natural. And little by little, I'm hoping that we're becoming a family that prays. And I want to leave, out of that, I want to leave my kids a legacy of prayer. I want my kids to remember that their family prayed. I want the example that we set now to encourage them through their life that they can pray and to haunt them if they don't. That's kind of what a legacy does. If I think of the legacy I have from my dad, there's a lot of things I could put in that category. One of them, a maybe silly example, is, is that my dad was a man who fixed his own cars. Some of you maybe know what I'm talking about. Um, he, he was a mechanical engineer. He fixed his own cars. He taught me to fix my own car, partly by giving me a very old car that broke down a lot. Um, and I, I know that because he did that, because he taught me to pray. I know I can figure out how to fix this issue for the most part. I could figure it out. I could find the video. I have the tools. I know how to do it. And I also feel guilty when I take it to the shop, which is what I normally do. Um, and that's maybe a silly example, but that's kind of how a legacy works. And that's what I want for my kids in the category of prayer. That when they turn 30... As a random example, when they turn 30 and realize they've been living a life that is far too dependent on themselves and they need to rely much more heavily on their father to establish a prayer time, that they know how to do that because they saw that. They grew up doing that. That's not unfamiliar territory for them. They are encouraged to say, I could do that. I'm a person who came from a family that prays. If they don't pray, I want that to haunt them. I want them to the example they had as a kid to be something that they are wrestling with. I want my daughter, when she encounters negative voices in life or in her own head, that no matter what people have said about her, no matter what she thinks or feels about herself, that she can approach her father who's glad that she has come there. 
I knew not to put this part at the end. Um, at my funeral, I want them to remember this is one of the things that was true about their dad, that he prayed. And he taught us to pray. And as a, as a final encouragement, because um, that was a little heavy, um, I don't want you to walk out of here feeling weighed down with the, the expectation that you have to put into place all of these things or comparing yourself to what you have or haven't done or, or worried about whether your kids are going to have received from you all that they need to have received. I want you to leave here with a desire to take advantage of all that God has given you because what you want your kids to know about prayer is that it's not based on how they perform. It's not based on the words they say. It's not based on how often they have done it. That when they go to pray, they are coming before the God who has humbled himself to be near to them. The God who has welcomed them in, not on the basis of what they have done, but that they draw near to the throne of grace with confidence because Jesus has done for them everything that was necessary to be there. So when they come, God is just delighted that they are there. That's what you want your kids to know, and that's what I want you to walk out of here convinced of, that grace is available for you to come before God and talk to him, to lead your family in talking to him. And it doesn't matter what you've done before. It doesn't matter if you're doing that well now or if you want to improve all these categories, that there's just more available to you. If you can believe that yourself, then that's what we can teach our children. And that's what we're teaching them correctly, what prayer is. All right, I think you've got some discussion questions on your notes. Um, You can just talk about those at your table. Oh, Nick has to come back and do something, so... It's coming. Here we go. Thank you, David. Um, like you, I was getting just choked up thinking about some things and just about uh, just introducing my kids to the father and helping them to know that that's a rich, accessible part of life that, that they have access to. Um, uh, yeah. One thing I would disagree with you that you did say was you're talking about praying topics and you said that praying for mom to get a good night of sleep is not a big deal. That's, that's a big deal. Um, I, I have three books to give away today. Uh, I'm upping the ratios here. We're, you got like a 20% chance of getting a book today. This is awesome. Um, the first one's going to take a little bit of humility. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give the first book and Mike, you can get my slides up here in a second. Um, first book is going to be to somebody who has not prayed a single time this week. Raise your hand if you have not prayed, had like a, a dedicated prayer time this week. Anybody? Nobody? Well, that's good. I didn't really have a, yeah, I, I don't really have a follow-up. Um, what, raise your hand if you think you, your prayer life really stinks. Anybody? Okay, that's, now I got more there, okay, but at least you're doing it at least once a week. I don't know who to give this book to then. Um, all right, I'll give it to Leo. All right, this is Gentle and Lowly. Can I get the slide up there? Um, this is maybe my favorite book I've ever read. Um, it, is, it is just a beautiful book. Uh, get this book. Get the hard copy of this book because it's pretty. 
And I know it's men's meeting, and we're not supposed to talk about things being pretty, but it's a beautiful book. Um, rarely will theological books be page turners, but I found myself up waking, wanting to wake up every single morning to read the next chapter of this book because I couldn't wait to hear what it had to say. And I can't think of another theology book that did that. Uh, this is Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers, and it is about how Jesus sees us and moves towards us as weak and frail people. It is, it's just, it's just the best book. Get this book. Sorry, Leo got the free one. You got to buy your own. Um, it's really, really great. Uh, next book. You paid a turn for me. I don't remember what order I have these in. And I'm not giving all these away. I've got some other resources too. Oh, I have a clicker, don't I? <laughs> Sorry. I'm making Mike do work for me. Ah, this looks different than this version because they've done a reprint, but uh, who in this room wears contacts? He's wearing contacts right now. Do you guys both have this book already? Do you have this, John Mark? No? You got a book last time, Steve, didn't you? Yeah. John Mark, it's a praying life. Uh, the reason I gave the book to the person who has contacts is... Uh, very few chapters of books stick with me like the first chapter of that book, um, which is a story about contact lenses. And it's, it's a, a great example uh, similar to David's story about praying in the fog where it's just like, all right, go time. You're going to trust Jesus or not? Are you going to pray? Um, third thing, who right, – next book. Oh, I have to click it again. I'm sorry. I'm bad at this. Um, by the way, that book is just a great, super practical and super accessible discussion of prayer for a Christian, um, with really handy, just like, Hey, here's how you, you know, charts and diagrams and things like that. It, it's really great. Uh, the possibility of prayer. I'm not giving this one away. Um, but it's a good one. I just have lots of books. I like about prayer. I listened to this this year. Um, first half, it is a theology of prayer and, and, and how Prayer is important and possible. And again, the second half is, is kind of the rhythms and patterns of, of a life that includes and is built around prayer. Uh, really, really good. It's on Hoopla. If you guys don't know about Hoopla, ask your neighbor if they know about Hoopla. If nobody at your table knows about Hoopla, then ask me about Hoopla. Uh, it's great. The audiobook and the ebook are both on Hoopla. Uh, this is actually free for everybody because it's downloadable online. Uh, Psalms in 30 Days is a... Uh, it's a liturgy basically written or comprised by Trevin Wax, who's a great author. Uh, and he goes through the Psalms with a morning, afternoon, and evening prayer times. He works through all 150 Psalms in a month. Um, and he also has some other verses and prayers from like older church fathers interspersed throughout there. Uh, David talked a lot about liturgy in his talk. And I think that sometimes those of us who grew up in New Orleans and around a, a Catholic background specifically and heard some reactionary teaching against that stuff said, Oh, you don't want to you know, pray wrote meaningless, repeated prayers. Um, I think we can have a natural aversion to that. Um, written prayers don't have to be meaningless. Uh, like David said, a lot of times we pray the same thing every night. Anyway, these guys just wrote it better than we think of it on the fly. So there's no shame in borrowing from and working off of what they have, especially when it's the Psalms too. 
uh, which is most of what that is. Uh, so you can download that. If you just Google Trevin Wax Psalms in 30 Days or Pray the Psalms, you can download a PDF of that. You can print it if you want to, but it's a lot of pages. It's like 300 pages. But if you are hardcore on like having physical pages and writing things down, that's a good one. Last book. Um, who here has a kid who most recently turned five? Anybody have a five-year-old? You have no five-year-old parents in this room? You have one? Anybody else have a five-year-old? All right, that works. Five things to pray for your kids. Do you have this book? No? Okay. Uh, another book that kind of has a little bit of a liturgical element. It's got 21 topics. So the topics, the title's a little, dis- little misleading. Uh, 21 topics. Uh, and each topic has five ways that you can pray for your kid. So praying that God saves them, praying that they make wise choices, um, praying that they're safe or whatever the topic may be. Uh, so it's a great way. It's by Melissa Kruger. Um, it's a great way of just like, all right, I know I need to pray for my kids more. How do I pray for my kids? Um, here's some real basic things you can pray for them. And, and you can work through that as a morning devotional or anything else. It's like five bucks online. So uh, if you find that you don't really know how to pray for your kids well, or don't really know what to pray for, that's a good book. So sorry, you got the cheap one, Ben. <laughs> All you had to do was have a five-year-old. Um, so it's not very demanding. Contacts are more expensive. So you get some more expensive book. You understand how this works. All right. Anyway, so uh, let's have some discussion time for about, I don't know, half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever you guys have. And uh, hopefully we'll be doing some things coming up. I'll be sending out more emails this month. I've got a little better access to things. Um, And I'm trying to do a podcast where I'm actually going to sit down and talk with David further about some things that he talked about, maybe some other dad topics. Um, So I'll do that with the speaker each month is my plan. So uh, if you have any questions that come out of this, don't hesitate to shoot me an email and say, hey, uh, can you ask him about this? In the next week or two, we'll probably be getting together and talk about it some more. So again, thank you guys. Hope we have some fruitful discussion here.